0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Toast podcast. My name is Chris Fletcher and I'm your host. Tech on Toast exists to connect hospitality to technology. Search for your best problem solving tech on our marketplace, listen to both operators and tech experts on our podcast, or just meet up with the brilliant people who are helping innovate the hospitality industry as we enter a new era. Welcome to Tech on Toast. Tech on Toast podcast is brought to you today by Rems Hospitality. Benchmark your restaurant across other venues securely and gain market share. To find out more about Rems, head over to their website, remshospitality.com enjoy the show. Uh, welcome, guys, to the next episode of the Tech on Toast podcast. And this week, I'm very happy to have my my new friend, I think. We've been meeting quite a lot recently. Uh, but Robin Chang, who's the Vice President of Global Sales and Services at OpenTable. Robin, how are you? Good. Nice to uh, see you again. Yes, it is. Uh, you've been traveling though, haven't you? Where have you been? You've been away this week.
1: Yeah, my, my life is basically half on the plane, so... <laughs> In the U.S., which is a broad remit, but, you know, from coast to coast there. So I was in the last two weeks, Orlando, then San Francisco, then Chicago, Boston. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I've been
0: to Cardiff in London, so I I think you're winning. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Are you winning? I don't know. (laughs) Definitely not winning, I think. And, uh, And tell me about Open Table. So for anybody listening in who hasn't heard of Open Table or haven't been involved in Open Table with some point in their hostility life, what does it do?
1: Yeah, so table for those that uh, haven't come across us or, or haven't talked to us for a while, we're an all-in-one hospitality system that helps restaurateurs um, run their front of house. Uh, we basically take best-in-class practices, productize ties that into into software, and um, you know, help you become the best you know, front of house GM that you can possibly be. And we think about our product not just as software, but across the whole spectrum, including offline. We have fantastic account managers, uh, customer service, and we think we're best in class at that uh, 24-7 365 uh, uh, on call. It's a big part. So I, I talk to a lot of tech people, obviously, and one of the,
0: I think the, one of the biggest differentiators between um, different products and different things everyone does is support. And it's the one thing that you can't fix, particularly with tech, right? It's because it's... Uh, it, obviously, there's a tech element to connect people, but there's a human element in there where actually good support is done by good humans. And uh, when we first met, you were talking about the fact that a lot of open table people you look to recruit or bring in are ex-hospitality
1: or have some experience in the industry. Is that is that the case? Yeah, they all have a passion for the industry, yeah. obviously. That's what we look for, first and foremost. Um, we're happy to take a, people who are a little bit more raw in skill set, but just have great passion and um, a good intellect. Um but most of them are from the restaurant industry. We think of ourselves as obviously a restaurant first, um, but a restaurant business, restaurant industry business, and we just happen to sell software. Yeah. I, I deeply believe we'd be successful you know, no matter what we sold restaurant industry in terms of anything complex, but we just happen to sell a software system as well. I think that's really important, isn't it, that sometimes
0: uh, team and product get put together but actually the team is always always first right
1: the team the team that you have or you hire that you work with is often the, the key to success yeah we, we we work pretty well as a team across technology marketing and, and sales and operations I think um, I've been involved in a lot of different businesses and this one is pretty aligned and that's because it's it's simple really it's, it's restaurant first but anytime we need to make a decision um, that's the question we ask ourselves does this help restaurants it's um, you know, we were debating yesterday on how we word that and, and you communicate know, that across the globe to our offices, but that just makes decision making really, really simple. It really does.
0: And I, and I work in a startup called Atolo, uh, which is its very early stage, so messaging is so key, right? And you can, because you want to run in 5,000 different directions, but the reality is you've just got to be very clear internally and externally with what you're saying. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge, definitely, at the start. And the holy grail for operators is new customers or retaining customers and open table supports that i'm sure in, in many different ways how are you really working to help drive that for the for the, for the customers you have like to to drive new traffic and, uh, and retain the customers they
1: already have yes yeah, so we we think about um marketing for a restaurant more holistically so we stand in the shoes of the marketer or the restaurateur um and we start with hey the restaurant should be running their own marketing and, and pr but yeah. so that's um, where we should start, we want to supplement that, and I think for those that have come come across Open Table before, they know we have one of the largest dining networks in the world. It's a very high value dining network by the numbers, where we know people that through Open Tables spend a lot more than, than the average, um, even within the same restaurant. Um, so that's at your fingertips. So at the end of the day, like what we're we trying to do here, we're trying to put butts on seats as as restaurateurs, right? Um, and once they come through the door, that's really your diner. Like, your product is your marketing. They're going to come back. Um, we deliver a lot of first-time diners. And the other thing we do really well is we deliver a lot of traveling diners who are also very high value. And we know that by the numbers. You know, they need to find somewhere they want to eat. They don't know the city. Um, we know a lot of times they have a corporate credit card. They need to find a platform, and table has been, like, a fantastic platform for that.
0: That's huge, isn't it? Because you're right, and having spent most of my life in uh, restaurants, hotels, in operating... Actually, those kind of customers are absolute gold dust because you're right; they have a higher average spend because the spend isn't out of their pocket generally themselves, and they're very predictable in the fact they'll come in, spend so much time at a table, spend so much money, eat probably the similar product, and probably bring some guests next time they're in. Right, their business colleagues or whoever they're meeting. So it's actually a golden goose of the of the customer. I find those guys. And what about so if I'm if I'm using Open, open Table physically, what kind of functions am I am I getting from Open Table? So what can I do as a as a customer?
1: Yeah, so as a restaurant, obviously, what what we do best, we help you maximize revenue. So that that's what we do. Uh, we're the pioneers of that, and we still think we're one of the forerunners in technology um, at that front. We we'll help you uh, increase turn times. Um, for those that want more control, um, you can uh, adjust your turn times by different um, uh, settings. So, for example, if you know. Um, two tops turn quicker at 5 p.m. versus at 7 p.m. You can have quicker turn times and set that at 5 p.m. Or you can let us do it all for you. The system can also be automated. So all of that is at your fingertips. And obviously, multiple ways to get butts in seats. As I mentioned, go through our uh, exclusive diner network for all the table software customers. Um, but we have a fantastic CRM. So you have uh, all the diners that have come through the door. Um, some of them haven't dined with you for a while yeah. or are more high value than others or or are more specialized they love fine wine or that is auto tagged and you can send out an email campaign is absolutely free right that's from your own crm target those folks and get them to come back in the restaurant they loved your product and may not have had a chance to uh, remember to come back in for a while it's great so you can segment that audience then basically so you know, if I come in, I'm a business
0: traveler. I like to travel on a Wednesday. I'm always in there and I might drink a bottle of Merlot that I always have. I think I'm describing my life. Um, but and then I can be targeted basically, yes. can't I? To, to bring right. you back in. I think, I, I think it's awesome. And, and obviously the pandemic shifted a lot of stuff in our behavior we've spoken about many times actually has just changed the way I think, um, I was talking to Patronix last week and they were talking about, um, the fact that airlines have kind of taught us how to behave differently. And I know you travel a lot on the airlines, uh, are customers, re- is it a full shift to booking online, do you think? Is everybody there now or do you think whether well, there's still people prefer to dial in? Is, is that still a thing or is it are most people going through
1: the online reservations? Yeah, Patreon is a great partner of ours. And, and you know, we I agree with what, what they say is um, there has been a, a, a sea change in how people want to um, book for restaurants. UK, it's always been pretty high in terms of online reservations so there's been about a 4% shift you know, pre- and post-pandemic of moving online. Um, I know some of your listeners are in the U.S. and other parts yes. of the world. For North America, there's been a much bigger shift online, but they always had a bigger proportion of walk-ins, and they still do.
0: So was it a longer... Yeah, so I suppose uh, uh, their behavior has shifted. Their behavior has changed, or there was more of a gap
1: to fill? Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. Bo- both, right? Yeah. So both of that. But, you know, 4% is, is no small shift. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. We hadn't seen that type of, like uh speed of shift um you know pre-pandemic but i i think that trend was always there yeah the pandemic forced people to use software and do things online a little bit more um yeah and,
0: and yeah. i think it was an accelerant right if you think about in fuel terms like the pandemic it was it was an accelerant for tech not it didn't invent it did it it was already here we were already using it it just made us like literally had to use it quicker but Online booking, I think, I remember back probably 10, 12 years ago, I was probably using OpenTable or something similar in, in my own job uh, booking. And I, th- I don't
1: think that was, but I think it's being utilized better, would you say now? Yes, yeah, so we, we're very long-term in how we look at things. So this is our 25th year twenty fifth year in, in business. you like the actually. granddads of tech. Yeah, like <laughs> quarter of a century. In a good way. It's a, good, it's a great legacy and good experience. We've been here for a while, so we know how restaurateurs think and we know like how to build software and deliver a great product. Um, but for us, yes, we've seen that longer-term shift. You, know, you don't get many tech businesses around for twenty-five years if there's no market shift. No,
0: I, I think it's really interesting. And you you look at all the new POS providers and all these new people that come into the um, into the, the tech world in hospitality, and actually. Are very quietly some of the I would call dinosaurs of the uh, of the EPOS world actually are still maintaining the biggest clients. So where we're sitting today, I know Brewdog uh, worked with a company called Aloa, which is NFS, and um, yes. I know those guys really well. And um, but they don't, you know, they're not noisy, um, they're not everywhere on marketing. It's, it's just, but it's legacy and it's about knowing what restaurants do and how they operate and actually be able to deliver to that.
1: And you're a similar beast. Yeah, so it's about the legacy of knowledge and hopefully yeah. not the legacy of product. So we've gone through like a lot of. Product change over thirty really five five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including three, four years ago when we shifted everything to a cloud and moved it to a much more iOS based software. Um, for those that uh, have used Open Table, used Open Table previously, even like I think four or five years ago we're on a different system called the herb. Um and that was like, you know, previous to that was like physical terminals that we yeah. went and came in and, and installed like these like ginormous
0: God, <laughs> It sounds horrific, doesn't it? Those days of engineers putting everything in. Um, and you mentioned it briefly there. What kind of customer behavior are you seeing? So you can, obviously, um, online's coming in, so the input's coming in from the customers, but then
1: they're spending. I, I presume, can you pull out actual spend data from these people that visit? Yeah, so if you have your uh, point of sales linked to our system, that's usually a couple of clicks away. Yeah. Um, and we integrate with with a ton of um, pods and with, with like, um, I think we, we've slated a few dozen this year to integrate. Um, you can see all the spin. And part of the, part of the great thing about Open Table is we um, to deliver fantastic reporting. You can see that in-system with a couple of clicks. Yep. Or you can see that in a, in a PDF as well. Um, and we have a lot of preset reporting. So we have our legendary um, pre-shift report that a lot of top restaurants still I love swear that.
0: by. Pre- so I, I think pre-shift, I was with the Hard Rock in the States for a while, and we lived and died by pre-shift, right? And, and, and to me, it was a new thing coming from the UK. We didn't really, we didn't really have that. So quarter to, I knew everywhere in the world at quarter to eleven every day we were doing a pre-shift. and at quarter to five, we we're doing the evening one. Is that do you, is that's a big thing in the states, right? The pre-shift side of things and the real setup of the day.
1: So it's a big thing in the states. I would say a lot of restaurateurs also use that, especially top restaurateurs use that in the UK yeah. as well. Um, and then they base the whole pre-shift meeting around the pre-shift report. I think that's kind of a great representation of, like, us being restaurant first. We built that report with a lot of input from tough chefs. And then they said, these are the things I need, these are the things I don't need. Clean report, print it out, or you you look at it on screen. And if you're a budding restaurateur, this is what, like, a three-star, two-star mission chef does, looks at.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, I used to be the most important part of the day. Always was, right? It's the first time you kind of get all the team together before you head out to shift. Then you can talk about bookings, you can talk about spend, you can talk about sales targets, you can talk about menu items, the chefs, yes. what he's got going on. It's just, I think it's absolutely crucial. And, and people are thinking, well, of course, that's obvious, but I, I don't see it everywhere, uh, especially in the UK. And I remember when we first came here, people were like, what's pre-shift? And I'm like, oh my God, pre-shift is Bible. That's what pre-shift is. It has to happen. So And, and the behavior that comes out then, do you what evidence do you see in terms of driving spend and driving? I mean, can you explain any success rates you've seen Like for people listening? Is there anything they can grapple onto They think, wow, that's amazing? Like
1: something that that, that what some of your tech has enabled them to do? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I see that that's pretty interesting. Some of this was uh, pre-pandemic, some of it's post-pandemic. So one thing you need to do during busy times, is, especially for restaurants that are full, mostly full. Let's say on a uh, prime dinner slot in on a Friday. Yeah. You want to drive per diner spend up, right? You can't like, you know, magically come up with tables and chairs. Um, so you need to go to areas where you can find places where you can find like high spending. Yeah. Um, uh, high spending diners and be able to prove that out on numbers. For us, like I mentioned, you know, we're part of Booking Holdings, which is a you know, Fortune 500. Fantastic marketers would be able to leverage off that. Um, and we know that people that come through Open Table a network spend more and you can see that by the numbers you can see that you your the uh, uh, open table um system break it down by channel you know how much did the average walking spend how much did those people come through know, restaurant.com your site spend how much um did people come through open table spend and we're there really to supplement your marketing but for that friday when you're like oh how do i maximize revenue that's how you maximize revenue even though the full I think it's the key,
0: right? It's been able to so been able to look, uh, and that, and that's why I love tech. And Kieran's asked me for why do you talk about tech so much because I actually think it enables you to run your business properly, uh, or or get grab opportunities you probably couldn't have grabbed before. So it's that it's that opportunity to look down the road and say, right, Friday's not looking great compared to the last three Fridays. What do we do? What what levers can we pull to make some more money? And having kit like that just enables you to go and you know work out. Okay, that because we used to. I mean, I used to back in the day. I used to work out the cost of a seat. Uh, in my restaurant, I mean, before we had any tech, I used to work out, oh, that my waiter's section's worth 500 quid a turn. So we've got to make sure, you, to pay you, for you to be here tonight, you've got to make 500 pounds for every turn of your section. But we had scraps of paper, back of cigarette yeah. packets, <laughs> writing stuff down. But, <laughs> yeah, I know, not really high tech and not very healthy. Uh, but that was the way we did it. But now it's so
1: different, right, and the opportunities are huge. Yeah, click, click of a button, and you can now even do that from your iPhone. Let's say you have a quieter period, um, and you say, hey, we, we need to feel more seats, um, you can actually, what we call boost. So you can boost your marketing, boost your position artificially up the rankings of of uh, when people search um, on an open table platform. They're like a job ad, you know what I mean? So if you want to
0: raise your job ad up a bit and get yes, more eyes exactly, on it. Exactly
1: yeah. like that. And that return is is fantastic. Like, um, I wish we got that for our own marketing, that type of return. <laughs> but it's, it's like multiples multiples higher. So in effect, we... we only give that away for free we basically you know I'm subsidizing that by quite a lot so you can pay a little extra but like guarantee that you're going to get revenue effectively coming through that door which is actually amazing so we we had a chat with uh when I was in Chicago with you know one of the best restaurateurs in the U.S. uh Kevin Bowen and he's he's on our advisory board and he said why I love Open Table and he has a ton of incredible restaurants across the east coast and why I love Open Table is if, if you told me I needed to fill my restaurant, um, even a big one, and I and it was empty, and had zero diners in it, could you do it? Like, you absolutely can. And for me, that's, like, that's so powerful.
0: Well, it's the ultimate in power, isn't it? Because you, the, everything that's in the news, costs rising, everything, you know, rent was... In the pandemic, now it's energy. Labour's been a problem. It's an evergreen problem, never goes away. Uh, But apparently it's bigger than ever because of Brexit and all the other stuff in the UK anyway. But all these things mount up, but your restaurant stays the same. You know, you can't increase your square footage normally. You can't put more chairs in unless you're really smart and you kind of change bench seating or whatever. So you're always stuck with the same square footage. So how do you kind of rinse the cloth and get as much as you can out of it? And that's what I think people listening in, like operators listening in saying, I've got that one site that doesn't do this or I can only maximise I can get 20 grand a week out of it maximum how do I get it to 25 because that will enable me to pay the extra food cost so I think that's what they're looking for right? they're looking for that um, bit of kit or bit of enablement that will let them get to that next
1: stage yeah and it's uh, it, it's interesting why I hear a lot of restaurateurs say hey you're, you're more expensive for me it's like it's, firstly it's, you're not paying for the same thing so it's we're actually relatively cheap compared to our competitors I would say but you, you do get this dining network and it's pay for performance. Like I also look closely at our own marketing open table. Um, sadly, most marketing channels are not like, hey, proceed seated diner. Yeah. You go through Google or PR or brand marketing or TV or whatnot. It's not pay for performance. Like you, you throw it out there and hope for the best. Um, but this is- Yes, if, I've been in that place. <laughs> yes, exactly. And if you don't have a seated diner, you don't pay him. For me, it's almost like, can you afford to like- have that person sit there. The most expensive thing for a restaurant is to have an empty seat. There's nothing more expensive than an empty seat. And that's never coming back right. Once that time's gone, you can't feel it. Yeah, and o- occupancy is something hotels
0: have done great, right, for or, as long as they've been around. They build something once, uh, they fill it, they fill it, they fill it, they fill it, and they get returned. And obviously they have to iterate and yes. redecorate or whatever it might be. But um, they're great at occupancy. And I've always, and as a good friend, I mean, we know Carmen Mallow yes. uh, from REMS, who sponsors the podcast. And she talks a lot about occupancy and dynamic pricing and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's absolutely coming, right? I, I, I don't, I think it's really interesting how we look at occupancy, how we look at a seat uh, and how we kind of value that. And like I said, back in 20 years ago, I used to put a price value on it do you think that's something
1: that's going to end up in our industry quite soon or do you think it's already happening? Um, so I, I think it's 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 already here for some segments. Uh, so, if, you know, we're the first table management system to integrate with REMS. Yeah. Um, part of that is because we understand what's happened on the travel side. Yeah. You know, our, our parent company also owns Booking.com oh. um, and Priceline in the US, which, which is better known there. Um, and then uh, Kayak and Agoda and a few other travel brands. But I uh we we see like the the sophistication in the airline and hotel side where they're kind of not thinking about odds you know a dollar or two dollars to get a traveler they're kind of like give me more because like nothing more expensive than an empty hotel room or empty airline seat or empty car for rentals and i think carmen's trying to work with us to help people understand that and here's reporting how do you maximize revenue and how do you try it? It's, it's a
0: big education piece, though, isn't it? Because it, it is, is a
1: shift, right? It's a bit like what we talk about in terms of tech
0: moving into hostility, especially into casual dining and where we are today, brew dog, people like that. Occupancy is alien, um, I would imagine, to most of those guys. And uh, and I think it's seeing the return on it, seeing the benefit of it. A, a hotel makes total sense. A plane makes total sense because you can physically see it but why is a restaurant any different it's got seats in it's got people that pay to use it it's got people that pay to run it uh, so they, you know and they have to balance at some point so it, uh, i find it really interesting and with that data as you mentioned before a lot of data comes it flows in and we were talking off air before about phishing and fraud and these different things that can happen actually when, you've got, when you're owning all this data or when you've got opportunity to access data. Are you seeing anything? I mean, have you had an experience recently about things that might have happened around phishing or is it, is it something that's common in the industry?
1: Yeah, I would say phishing common in UK, not just in <laughs> restaurants. It, it is increasing in, in the restaurant industry. So um, we spend a lot of time making sure like, we build data security have a whole team that does that that does nothing but think about like ways to avoid phishing and obviously like much more robust systems where we can um ov- definitely avoid hacking so that that is like built into our, our process so we love being the fa- fast follower on new features we typically don't want to be first sometimes we are but the reason why is we want to make sure we engineer everything properly so you don't get hacked so that's different from phishing. So phishing as a public service announcement, <laughs> open table will never ask for your password and, and login. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we build that into our system, but also offline training. This goes through the whole, you know, high touch service that we talked about earlier. But like even with that, get this crazy stat: for like restaurants that have been called by fisher, seventy five percent of them. All for phishing. Some of them, um, like a few days after we conducted the training, so hey, this is you know what they're going to do. Please don't give a yeah, yeah. login password. And typically, what what the fisher does is call. Hey, I'm from Open Table. Um, I need to fix this and that. Can I please have your login and password? Um, some restaurants even have two factor authentication, so they need a password and need a code from their phone. They were like, oh, I need the code from your phone. They go, yeah, no worries. Here's the code. <laughs> so. If please don't do that public service announcements. I I just want to make sure that... No, do you
0: know what I was saying to you that weirdly, personally, you tend to not fall... I mean, I'm sure lots of people do fall into that trap, right? I have in my past, I'm sure. Someone's been fraudulent to me. But I think with business, uh, especially from an hourly paid employee, the risk to them is less... You know, they don't don't see the risk as they would... um, uh, they don't see the risk as much as they would with, you know, with their business details or than well their personal details. So I find it, it it's bizarre, right, that they would
1: give that out. But uh, yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> yeah, in, in some ways I, I I get it because you're, you're busy. Um, it's heated at the moment. You know, staff turnover is always a problem. So you know, sometimes maybe we did the training two weeks ago and then maybe a, a new person has joined. Yeah. That two weeks have called a few times. Um, the fishers have called a few times. um, i think a couple of things to get around that firstly just remind your staff over and over again don't give you our login don't give out passwords the worst you can do is say hey i'm going to hang up and i'm going to call back the customer service of open table to double check or whatever um uh, uh reservation platform or software um, platform you're using and that's the best way um but you know also secondly make sure that you use like different types of automation to make sure your staff is less busy so don't uh, and it's distracted when they, you know, need to be focused, I think.
0: And I've got to be honest, the phone, and the phone rarely, I don't know, I haven't run a restaurant for a few years now, but I imagine the phone rings a lot less than it used to, you know, because people are using online reservations, They're I don't know. So yeah. I imagine you would spot them quicker.
1: Yeah, so th- there's that. Uh, I think there's more outbound phone calls. Um, and if you want to kind of like sh- shift a little bit on what we're talking about, there's also another really interesting, like, uh, uh, a shift that we see is a big shift to what we call the in ninety. You can see that also in your open table system. In 90 means people booking within 90 minutes of when they want to eat.
0: Yes, I was told by, um, I did a a podcast with Dub, a guy called Dub Lee, who was the former systems director at um, Honest Burger. Uh, And he told me, he said uh, it was prior pandemic and pre-pandemic and through it, he said that people were literally booking uh, up to 60 minutes, 30 minutes prior to coming into the restaurant.
1: Yes. um, Some of that is former people who are walking in. Yeah. Um, but it's also just some sort of shift. We aren't super sure what it is. It's a little bit of walk-in, a little bit of, you know, people just being decisive. But like, that's really important because the traditional marketing channels unnecessarily like from 2019, pre-pandemic, or another universe is now like, in some of them are obsolete or less less effective. So you you got to be where the diners are, where they want to book at the moment they want to book.
0: And so, how advanced, yeah. I mean, that behavior that you're talking about there. Do your customers see that quite quickly? Is that something you you can share in terms of uh, insight? Yeah,
1: um, yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's an actual report that talks about the N90. So I I think you know go I've for
0: learned that. something new today. The N90, right? In that's N90. <laughs> so we talk about that
1: with uh, with our larger customers a lot, um, and you've, you know they tend to be typically at the forefront. So I look after our enterprise business as right. well. So in the UK, that's companies like Caprice Holdings, who owns Ivy Collection. Yeah high volume great operators adopters of tech sometimes because they have to but also they have fantastic yeah, um, tech teams that think about automation a lot um, you know looking at like how they market more effectively in 90 is really interesting because you know, people are booking 90 minutes Yeah before. how do you market to those people? Because
0: uh, uh, you were saying that probably some of them are walk-in people Just is there a percentage you could put around that? Or
1: as yeah a- it varies by it varies quite like broadly ac- across types of restaurants, but like I think it's increased like X-folds, like hundreds of percent wow. versus 2019. I don't remember what it is exactly for... Okay. but maybe
0: that just shows the nature of the way we, we're behaving now because everything's at the touch of a button on our phone
1: yes that's exactly maybe it's just what easy it it's and just you know i want to go there i'm gonna book now just to be sure yes and they used to they might have called before yeah. or uh they might have just uh, hey it's two minutes away i'm gonna just drop in or 10 minutes away that's, i was gonna say
0: i used to pop in and say i'm going shopping can we get a table at two you know it's 12 yes. now
1: kind of thing so but now yeah. they want more certainty and they have it at their fingertips and maybe they have less certainty on how they want to book or what they want to eat they kind of know they want to eat italian or want to know or the one to eat in the neighborhood but like instead of saying hey i'm going to go to that spot i used to go to it's more like hey let me see what is out there because i'm dining out a bit more so people are also dining out more often but do you think they're multiple
0: booking then do you think because we hear that a lot right i mean the, i think it was just after the pandemic there's a big campaign in the uk about no shows then if you saw on linkedin there was lots of people talking about you know uh, people just not showing up for bookings and it was caught, cool, you know and obviously people were losing revenue and um, staff were putting put on shift when they weren't needed all that kind of stuff do you think that's do you think people end up doing that? Do you think there's a bit of a double play? Uh, I don't know
1: on other channels, but on on our on Table, you, you can't book within a two hour window of okay. of, of a reservation you have. We, we put that in specifically, and you know, a lot of I think diners complained. We saw that in the app store, yeah, where we got some bad reviews saying, "Hey, I don't get to double book." For us, we're kind of proud of that. Like I said, we're restaurant first. We're proud of the fact that yeah, like, yeah. We, we stopped double booking and. But for us, that's, that was a really important feature of the out. It's a
0: big deal. I mean, it was a massive campaign here, as I said, just after the pandemic when people were struggling yes. right financially. And I think uh, that people, were, I think there were billboards and all sorts going up at one point about it saying, uh, I can't remember, No Show or something. I can't remember. It was called Abby it, who's a brilliant uh, recruiter up in Manchester. And um, yeah, it was just a really interesting time. And actually, all the operators were saying, yes, this is a thing. This is happening to that's us true. a lot. Uh, yeah, and that's good to hear. Yeah, That's great. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what about reviews? Uh, speaking about your app reviews, what about guest reviews? Because I, I think they're like, they're so important, aren't they, too? Depending where you are in the ecosystem, if you're an enterprise business, yes, they're important, but more for maintaining yeah. pace and brand, I suppose. But for the, the smaller chains, 10 to 20 sites, mom and pop type restaurants, reviews are everything, right? And how are you capturing them and, I suppose, in, uh, ensuring that um, they help drive the business rather than damage it as it would be?
1: Yeah, I, I think... Reviews have become increasingly important. They're always important. So we know that, like, from, um, you know, consumer surveys that we did, that 75% of diners um, will look at reviews to decide on where they want to go eat. Yeah. Um, over time, that's going to be, uh, we think, you know, that's going to be continue to be high because we see first-time diners increasing. and said people are looking in ID, trying to figure out where they want to eat. Um and uh, I think people booking more online so they can look at online reviews more easily. Open table reviews. Um, once again, we we try to be as as restaurant first as we can. Um, all the reviews on Open Table are from seated diners, so they have definitely in in that restaurant sat down, you know, and ordered something then. then yeah, that's crucial the- isn't it because
0: nothing goes away on the internet right so
1: yeah <laughs> that's, it's out there. that's right so not, not all platforms are like that and not all of them are scrupulous I would say that makes sure that the integrity of our reviews both through a restaurateur um, and to the diner is is like very very high yeah um, so people trust that review a lot more and I, the other piece of advice I give to restaurateurs is, yeah, once in a while you'll, you'll get a bad review. Like it is what it is. Overall, these people
0: are human, right? Yes. Yeah. And
1: I know a lot of restaurateurs I talk to, uh, you know, get a lot of anguish. Like, oh, this is one particular review, but this, uh, you know, you can't please everyone. You can please almost everyone. I think you're doing pretty damn well already. So.
0: Yeah, and I think I, it's weird when I, I mean, I rarely. I'm trying to think. What are you? Amazon use reviews, you know, obviously, but when we book a holiday, that's the one time me and my wife will definitely. Read reviews because it's a big expense, right? You're talking, you know, I've got three kids. It's like five mm. one, uh, half a million quid to go anywhere now with them. Uh, but you look at the reviews because it's that really, w- and it will drive my decision. And but you have to be really careful. You don't read the, you know, go to the one star that sits amongst all the four and a half stars, right? Yes. So it's just having a broad opinion of it. I think it's really interesting. And and you talked a lot there about trust, actually. And do you think trust is playing a big part in tech? And because there's been a lot of transformation a lot of change a lot of new players coming into the market uh, obviously you said you've got a leg. you're working for a legacy company that's been around for a long time and does a great job do you think trust plays a big part in decision making I'm very interested in the way people are purchasing tech these days and that's why I built
1: tech on toast um, do you think trust is playing a big part in that yeah it's it's, it's a huge part of like why table the, the the largest table management system in the world um, we fully understand that restaurateurs can switch at any time but yeah. so they they let their uh, fingers do the walking, really, if yes. you want to switch on out. Uh, we've maintained a large lead because there's a lot of trust in our system, um, both in terms of reliability, uh, and that meant being the best operating system you can have, and also you know, highly secure, so um, not subject to hacks. But uh, also, importantly, the trust among, amongst the, the, the field team and our sales and services team to deliver best in class customer service all the time. And making sure we have the restaurant's best interests at heart.
0: Yeah, and you don't just—I mean, you don't just supply, do you? There is quite a lot of support you guys do. Charity work. There is all. I was looking through the site, and I was chatting to you when we first. Our first conversation actually was about uh, with Atolo, Obviously, we do the grant, and we were talking about um, supporting disadvantaged kids and trying to get them back into the industry and give them some work. And uh, and you guys are already focusing on that uh, on that topic, aren't you?
1: Yeah, we, we do tons of that uh, globally, and we, we we try to hire um, from from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds as well. Uh, particularly for more remote roles um i I think a lot of them just need to be given a chance we have some fantastic talent particularly in uk where we have a big presence yeah um and we've seen some really great like uh team members come through that probably wouldn't have been hired um by by, you know more more mainstream companies the other thing we i want to give a shout out to and hopefully those out there who run a social enterprise or or a school we give uh, big pricing discounts um, uh, for the, for those you know with the .org you know, anyone who's registered charity or a school, so or .edu. So please, please reach out. Um, very happy to support that industry and hopefully you know you get a fantastic software system and a, and a good account manager to help you guys. No, it's great,
0: and I, and I love it when a relationship starts like that from a holistic chat where we were you know it wasn't about open table action. We first started, and you were reaching out about the podcast. We were just talking about tech generally. And, uh, and we ended up in that conversation. That, and that, for me, that always um, leads you down a path, right? I, I, I think relationships is everything. And when you see someone talking about that as their first point of call, I think that's really interesting because it tells you a lot about the people that are working for that person in the business because that will tend to, uh, you know, it will dilute through the brand. So it's great. Uh, and what do you think generally about tech? Because you've been around, I mean, you, were, you came from Kayak, right? You were uh, before, the, how long ago were you there?
1: Yeah, so I, I had a, a pretty interesting path at <laughs> open table. So I previous to this i was at kayak which is also part of our, our parent company so i i came to kayak i came from kayak around two years ago i was kayak about three years ran different businesses there our europe middle east business as well as our apac business at one point um and then previous to that i was uh, uh worked in finance for a long time worked in capital and private equity for you know, one of those guys yeah <laughs> one of those guys uh a little over a decade um you know did a few things Was a uh engineer at one point at coda earlier earlier early early in my career so. <laughs> you had checkered past it's all good though and, and what do you think because obviously we were automating everything right? well,
0: well i think the opportunity is there to automate as much as we can right to the point where the team all these lovely team looking out the window here at Brewdog, are working at the table doing what they should do looking after customers serving them um touching base and all of the i would call i not menial work but the work that doesn't need to have a human doing, we can get rid of, you know, or, or automate it. Do you think we're getting there or how, how far away do you think we are from the holy grail?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think it's a continual process for for the industry. Um like like I said, we've had a, a whole sea change in the last two or three years, for better or for worse. I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone again, but in some ways it's accelerated tech adoption by restaurateurs and, and diners. Um and I think That if there's a positive to come out of that, that's been the positive. Yeah. But we deliver a better employee experience for people that work in restaurants, really, right? So anything that's automated, um, in terms of like more menial tasks, or just making sure that you're better at your job at delivering hospitality. That's what we do. We front a house, we deliver better hospitality, everything built is about that. I mean, that's what like, you know, people's juices flowing when you're sitting in front of houses yeah
0: and and, and do you think and you travel a lot you travel a lot is it mostly the states or do you go are you all over the world or i also look after our Asia pacific business so literally (laughs)
1: literally all (laughs) over the world
0: and what what different i'm really interested to ask because you know obviously i know hospitality around the uk i've got some experience in europe but how do you view it as an industry globally is it is it nuanced in every different country or do you feel like there's very a very similar
1: line running through the middle of it in terms of service and or is it a really complex question? No, it's a, it's a simple question. There's complexity around it and there's upsides to that complexity. So there is localization, you know. The, uh, a diner and a restaurateur in, in Mexico City uh, in some ways has very little in common with someone in in uh, in London. Yes. Um, and then same in, in, you know, even in like San Francisco, it's very different yeah. to how they run restaurants versus versus what we do here in the UK. Um. While that's a little more difficult in terms of product development, what's been great about that is every area has their best practice. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, I look after enterprise, but also look after our hotel relationships globally. Um, we can learn from, like, best practices, and it's like, oh, it's interesting how they do that. This would apply really well in, you know, this city or this country. You can match locations, you know, as in different locations. Yeah, so we have to build to the localization. Yeah. Um, and then learn from that and roll out everywhere else. So we, we do see, for example, in enterprise groups, they do adopt some technology and sort of integrations earlier and we see that roll out like across industry. And some of that is us driving it, but it's it's pretty interesting that like we can help people, like uh, cross border learnings. Yeah. And that's what I kinda love about my global role, and able to do that um, and then help drive efficiency and bring like new ideas into entire industry so that's kind of awesome
0: no I I think it's really interesting just finding out about um, the global perspective because as you said the podcast has listeners from all over the world and it's it's really interesting how the adoption of it Including the adoption of tech, has changing, right? And people are interested in, in what's happening, and I think they love hearing from people at the top of these companies talking about uh, what your passions are and what you're doing. So, yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyable. I, I, and hopefully, we're going to see you again soon, Robin. I see you quite a lot at the moment. See you when you're in the UK. I'm, I'm on the I'm on the I'm on the dial speed dial. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and what's the what's the future for you? I mean, open table. What you've got coming up? Anything exciting coming up in the next?
1: Um, two to three years or am I going too far ahead <laughs> uh, I mean I don't know where I'm next week but but look, we, we've we uh, really accelerated our, our product development so we had a really big feature drop um, sort of started January uh, all sorts of really interesting stuff the 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 tip, the main theme around that is that we're we continuing to give more control back to the restaurant so I'm, as I mentioned yeah, I love that. variable turn times by yeah. different times of, of one shift um, you know we've beefed up our iPhone app for for owners, restaurant owners. So now you can look at real time spend um, of a of a table. So if someone's you know really blowing out their corporate corporate credit card, um, the restaurant manager can go over and touch that table and say, hey, how are you doing. Thank you for, for your patronage, um, and then also things like VIP access when you can lock off a set of tables, or all your tables, and then uh, have a specialized have, have a different link to give to your VIP so they get access to, to book for hot times or, or you know special occasions. So all that stuff is all about giving control back to the restaurateurs. We're now sort of every week, eight, eight weeks, um, we're going to have new feature drops. So that's relatively new. We've accelerated sort of our, our ability to. Uh, so know, iterating like yeah yeah so <laughs> it'd be, daily by the sounds of it <laughs> yeah it'll be really cool. Um, and I love the fact that we're, we're we're moving so quickly and able to deliver that and there's some like really big innovative stuff coming up um i can't shake quite yet but uh for those that are open table keep in touch with our ams they'll reach out as well our account managers for those that aren't open table and you know haven't talked to us for maybe a year or two it's a completely new system so come in have a chat yes yeah, so, i so mean nice. i
0: always ask this so how do people get in touch because obviously they want you know people listening in and are interested are definitely about making more money in the
1: restaurant because that's what that's that's the way we do it right so um how do they get in touch so uh either reach out to your old account manager that's fine the easiest way is just to come through our website so that's uh, restaurant.opentable.co.uk um, and in the US is you know restaurant.opentable.com okay perfect
0: can I get a hold of you Robin they can find you on
1: LinkedIn right if they you can find you. me on LinkedIn please <laughs> ping me I, I look at LinkedIn relatively often so if you if you need to reach out uh, yeah find me and it sounds like you're really busy you must get a day off
0: do you do anything like if you have any hobbies what do you do when you're not
1: on a plane? Or do you just sleep? <laughs> so because I travel so much, I try to spend a little time out in out in, the, in the each of the cities. I, I was
0: going to say, do you get to see? Because, oh, you know, again, you're busy. I'm sure you're living out of a, a bag. Uh, but it, do you get to see a bit of the city when you're there?
1: Yeah, so you, you kind of have to force yourself. And yeah. it's good to be out in the dining scene, right? I mean, this is what we do. Yeah, so yes. go out and try a few restaurants. Um, and for me, even if you're tired, just like hey, just go out. Uh, go out for a meal, grab a couple of colleagues. I typically have friends in some of the major cities, so yeah. just meet up with them, and that's that's a nice thing. If you have friends in different places, you can meet up with them. So I ha- I've had a chum life, I must say. So that, you know, even even on the worst days, it's still still a great day. You know, it's a fantastic jobs. Yeah, no one's feeling sorry for you. <laughs> look,
0: really cool to speak to you. I've been trying to get you on for a while, and um, we all look forward to seeing what happens at the Open Table over the next few months. We'll be keeping up for your eight-week drop, and, uh, yeah, and we'll see you soon. So thank thank you. you, Robin. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Bye-bye.